everyone. Welcome to the fourth episode of Transparent VC, brought to you by Funders Club, where we aim to shed light on the black box of venture capital. As a reminder, Funders Club is an early stage venture capital firm that has invested in 220 companies over the past four years. As a result of speaking to thousands of founders, we've seen situations good and bad. And while most of the time things go well, we've seen misalignment between investors and founders where terms don't go as planned. I'm Kevin Lee, and I'm here with Jared Engelberg. Hello, everyone. Uh, so today, guys, oh, go ahead, Kevin. Yeah, today, uh, the topic of our podcast is what happens when your company is running out of cash and you need to or should raise financing to continue to grow the business. Awesome. Yeah, really excited for this topic today. Uh, before we dive into this, to today's topic, I wanted to call back to our most recent podcast on raising convertible debt or safes versus equity, especially at the seed stage. Uh, days after we put out our last podcast, a blog post was put out by Fred Wilson from Union Square Ventures on the similar topic. Uh, the one interesting reference point between the two pieces of content, I would say, is that both Fred and us arrived at a similar conclusion, which was that the maximum amount of notes or safes that a company should raise prior to a Series A does start to hit Kind of that $1 million to $2 million range. Anything above that creates a substantial dilution load uh, for this next round of financing. Uh, I encourage you to read that post and obviously go back and listen to our podcast uh, number three if you have not, uh, especially around there's a section in that podcast laying out a very specific mathematical example of how notes and safes work relative to an equity round. So switching gears and talking about today's topic, really excited to discuss this with you all. It's something that we see happen quite a bit, uh, and, and that is the following. A company is ready to go out to raise a pursuant round of financing, most notably an equity round of financing, probably a company that has raised a, a seed round and now going out for their Series A but they're starting to run low on cash. And what I mean by running low on cash is that they have less than a few months of runway remaining. And what runway is, is the amount of cash that you have in the bank divided by the amount of cash that you are burning. Burn means like the amount of cash going out the door, net of anything that you're bringing in. The amount of cash you have in the bank divided by the amount that you're burning each month. Or said differently, after X months of runway, your business will run out of cash and presumably die. And and whether you are a founder where, and hopefully you're not in this situation already where you are running out of cash and we're, we're talking, I you know, less than six months of runway in the bank, or if you are a founder that is, you know, you still have the runway, but you are getting dangerously close to that six month figure, uh, this podcast should be relevant for you. Yeah, exactly. I think regardless of what camp you're in currently, even if you're not yet short on runway, uh, don't turn off the podcast quite yet because I think hearing us talk through this and the tactics and, and the ways to navigate this, uh, even for the founders who maybe necessarily haven't started to become low on cash, I think this will at least show you perhaps why you should try to not get yourself in this position. Uh, but this really more so is directed to the people who are in this position and what your options are. First of all, it happens to the best of us. We're going to get through this. Here are some ways that we've helped our companies do it. So what do we mean when we say you need cash to raise a round, right? Isn't the whole point of 
raising a uh, raising a financing so that you have more cash to operate your business? Well, it's not so simple. So let's let's put this in the context of a Series A or a large equity financing. The thing is, it's going to take you time to actually raise this round. This is one of the parts about fund financing and fundraising that's that kind of sucks actually for founders. It just takes time. It takes your it takes calendar time. It takes your hours, etc. And we talked about this plenty on, on the previous podcast about kind of the pros and cons between a convertible debt and an equity round. Definitely. And so, how much time are we specifically talking about? What we are seeing conservatively between the day that you're like, okay, I'm ready to go out and start to raise money, to the day that you're issued a term sheet, which is kind of the midpoint in the process where one or more venture capitalists say, hey, I want to issue this non-binding agreement called a term sheet, which basically says we want to try to do a deal together. We've seen that process just to get to the term sheet from initiation of, of fundraising mindset take as long as like two to three months, right? And so then once you're at the term sheet, we already talked about last podcast, at minimum, we're seeing four weeks or so to get from term sheet to money in the bank. So what is, and at maximum, we've seen that take months. So what are we really saying? All of a sudden, to even effectively do the Series A financing period, you probably need about six months of runway. And that's just to get the deal done, right? That's not even saying, okay, now we're sitting here four months into your Series A, you're down to two months of runway left. That means if the deal falls apart, you're probably going to run out of cash as a business. There are still negotiated points with your lead investor that you have to get through. And I assure you that if your best alternative to reaching an, an outcome on this deal and getting funded is dying, you're going to have much less leverage at the negotiating table with your lead investor. And that's not saying not, that's not necessarily saying that every lead investor is going to try to prick and poke and find ways to make the deal worse for you. But but there's nothing there's no deal that's 100% clean. There is no 100% standard way to do an equity financing, although it's gotten better and better over time. And you want the ability to walk away from a deal if you have to. And if you don't have enough cash, you simply lose that ability. So what does that mean? We just said to do a Series A, you probably want minimum six months of runway. Okay. I know some of you out there are saying, well, I want to raise an equity round, but I don't have six months of runway. That's what we're here for. That's what we're going to be talking about today. So step one is getting back to those runway levels where you have some negotiating leverage at the table, where you're able to run an effective Series A process. What are the ways that you can increase your runway? Well, one is by cutting your burn. Uh, there's actually been a lot of good work, I think, done on this topic about how to cut burn. Uh, people like Jason Calacanis have written about this. Paul Graham obviously has a really famous post about being default alive. And I, th- I encourage you to read both of them. What we're going to be talking about today is how to increase the cash in the bank from raising additional capital ahead of raising an equity financing. Uh, just kind of really focusing on the, the numerator of that equation, which is the cash in the bank. So how do you do it? You know, first off, you know, the goal again is to expand above six months of runway or more. Uh, Maybe you're down to one month or two months of runway. Uh, It happens. We've seen it happen. We've seen businesses be able to kind of pull out of that, though, and like and and successfully go on to raise equity. So by no means are you dead yet. So here's what we're thinking about. Right. Okay, who are the people in the world that are most incentivized to make sure that you do not die at this point? Uh, Those people would be your existing investors. 
And if you've done good diligence on your existing investors before you took money from them, presumably at the seed stage, uh, you'll, one of the questions you should be asking is, hey, are you the type of, type of investors who are willing to follow onto your companies, you know, even when times are hard? And, and secondly, why this is important to go to your existing investors first is because uh, chances are if you have to go to outside investors who weren't part of your previous rounds and they ask you, hey, are any of your existing investors coming in? And you say no, that's that's an immediate red flag for these outside investors because they didn't have the visibility, they didn't have the inside information that an existing investor would have. And so they are already by default kind of uh, kind of outside of the inner circle. And it, it's, it's just not an optimal situation. Yep, totally. So again, we're trying to bring this cash balance up. You go to your existing investors. What, what should you be saying to them roughly? Like, what is the what is the ask? Uh, the ask should not necessarily be to try to raise this new round. Rather, it's trying to expand the runway. And how do, how do we do that? So uh, I would typically advise you to go back to whatever the most recent terms that you raised that were and use those as a baseline, right? So if you had previously raised on a safer note, perhaps you just go back to your existing investors and say, hey, can we expand the safer note with a little bit more cash? If you had previously raised on equity, it's pretty easy to amend your existing equity documents with your investor sign-off to sell more shares at the same price under the same terms. So that's definitely the structure that we're looking for or that we typically see in these types of extensions, but that's not the whole equation. The other piece is, A, investors don't want to throw good money after bad, and I'll explain what, what that means. And two is... Uh, Investors don't want to be the last money in a company before they die. Or said differently, they want to make sure that they're properly compensated for the risk that they're taking, investing in you before you're out go you're going to go out for the equity round. And so a couple tactics and, and tools that you can use to help you when you're talking to your investors around this, this bridge financing or this extension of your run runway financing. Number one, make sure that you understand actually what it's going to take to raise an equity financing the Series A or whatever round your next big round is going to be. And the reason that I say that is if you're going to raise just a little bit more money to buy you a little bit more time, know what it's going to take to to get to that to the equity round. Or said differently, it's like you're asking for one more year of college before you get kicked out. You better know what last classes you need to pass in order to actually graduate. Right? And, so, and so be really uh, knowledgeable and, and talk to your friends who have gone through financing, talk to other um, people familiar with the industry. Like, hey, what does it take to raise a Series A in my industry today? And, and uh, those things change frequently. So try to be up to date. And that's going to be a really important point that you're, you want to go to your existing investors on. Also, what valuation do you think you can actually achieve with the business that you have at at the equity round and make sure that whatever the valuation or, or terms you're asking of your your existing investors or, or whomever is participating in this bridge round is compensating them for the risk, right? So if, if you think you can raise at a $15 million pre-money valuation at your Series A, you better be sure that those, those investors that are coming in to give you a little bit more cash today are getting some discount or some reduction relative to what you think um, the price is that you'll end up raising at, right? Because otherwise, you're... The investors coming in in this current bridge round will be paying the same price or higher than a future Series A investor 
while taking while the current investors are taking much more risk than that Series A investor because there's some chance that you actually are not able to raise the Series A right and the business still dies. So that's how you make sure that the that you're not the last money. The second thing is make sure they're not throwing good money after bad. Like really continue to demonstrate to them that there's a lot of value to unlock in this business, right? It's not just you're raising cash to not die. It's you're raising cash to really get to these massive future visions that you have. These these markets that are unaccessible without without capital. Yeah, and I think like back to what Jared just stated. Even when you think about a traditional round, there's nothing better than you know nothing that sounds more like music to an investor's ears than you know a well-defined plan of what you plan to what the use of funds are going to be. Are you taking you know VC money because you want to throw gas on the fire? And you should take that same mentality when you raise these bridge rounds or, or these in-between rounds. Essentially, um, you want to provide that same level of confidence to an investor that. They are not, as you mentioned, Jared, putting like, you know, they don't want to be the last investors putting good money after bad, essentially. Or sorry, bad money after, uh, good money after or bad. good money after bad. Yeah, right. yeah. And so with all that being said, I wish it was this easy. Uh, unfortunately, it gets a little bit more complicated. And, and, the, and let's use an example to demonstrate this. Let's say you're burning about uh, $100,000 a month, just to keep the math simple. That'd be a pretty high burn rate, but let's do that. And you have about three months of runway left and you want to get back up to six to eight months of runway. So you're raising a $400,000 round, let's say. Uh, you have four existing investors and all of them are willing to come in for $100,000 each. Okay, so that's a good sign. The problem is none of them are probably willing to be the first investor that comes in. Why? This ties back to this point, right? They don't want to be the last money in. And if you're raising on a safer node or even equity for that matter, what could happen is uh, they could wire you the money, sign docs, and then all of a sudden realize that all the other investors had canceled their investment, that, that you, the founder, had told investor A uh, was going, that the other investors were coming in, investors B, C, and D. So this investor A is, is nervous, right? There is some amount of risk that they're, they are the only investor that's going to step up to the plate. And when that happens, they could kind of get burned here. So... One thing that we really recommend strongly to companies that are in this position, and this uh, this is something that we're going to link to or, or put text on in the description of, of this podcast, is think about using an escrowed closing. And what that roughly means is if you think about an investment as jumping into the pool, an escrowed, uh, an investor jumping into the pool, an escrowed closing is all of the investors linking arms and jumping in at the same time. So typically your lawyer can actually serve as an escrow agent or the counsel that you're using. And what that means is everyone will wire money to the escrow agent and none of the money will be released from this escrow fund. And escrow is just a fancy word of saying like a bank account roughly. None of this money will be released from this escrow fund until all of the investors have sent their money in. We ride together, we die together. Bingo. <laughs> and so... What's really cool about this is if you're getting pushback from your investors about them not wanting to be the one with eggs stuck on their face, using this escrowed closing is a really elegant way of saying, fine, if no one else, if the, if the people that I said are going to come in don't come in, then you, don't have to invest, then you don't have to invest anything. We'll send you your money back. But this is really important because it actually, it, it kind of creates this domino effect where other people can get in as well while still taking limited risk. They put their money where their mouth is, but they don't actually have to send it until until the round comes together. So escrowed closing, escrowed closing excuse me, is a really elegant way, I think, to address potential investor concerns about being 
they themselves being the last money in. And if you check the text of this transcript later, um, we will be including some of the legal language that you might generally see um, for the escrow closing that Jared just mentioned. Yeah. And so that's probably the best tactical advice that we got, uh, or, or one of the cool things that we've stumbled across in our time doing these types of financing. To take this all the way back up high level, because we've gotten pretty deep into the weeds here, again, if you're in this position where you're feeling like you have, you're running out of oxygen, right? Your, your runway is your oxygen. And, and when you're losing your oxygen, it's a lot harder to do everything. It's a lot harder to run this business. It's a lot harder to talk to investors. And so you want to rebuild this oxygen tank before you really start to show yourself to the outside world in a meaningful way. Think about uh, doing this first, kind of solving this problem, and then starting these, these bigger conversations. And I think that's, that's a really important thing. And even if you're four months of runway left, six months of runway, eight, eight months of runway left, there still can like there still may be a rationale for increasing your oxygen level just a little bit in, in these situations. Yeah, I mean, I know right now we're specifically talking kind of, and the situations we've seen obviously are kind of the post seed round, as Jared mentioned. But I mean, one thing to note is that there's there's nothing shameful about raising a second seed round, right, or this bridge round. Um, I think Tom Tunga recently came out with analysis that second seeds now represent one in three seed rounds. Um, so they're a common way to finance an early stage startup. There's really no stigma with these rounds if, if you're looking for more oxygen. It's better better than better than putting yourself in a situation where you're under six months of runway. Yes, totally. So, and to summarize this for everyone, you, you need cash to raise cash. It's kind of one of the great paradoxes of fundraising in, in early stage companies. And, and so just make sure that you have that cash. For those of you with 12, 15, 18 months of runway, remember this podcast exists. Reference it back when you need to, or just remember how gritty and difficult it can become when you start to run low and so try to avoid the situations as usual if you have any other questions um, or you're looking for advice on how to approach this kind of situation um, please feel free to reach out to any one of us uh, kevin or jared at fundersclub.com and we're always happy to answer any questions you might have yeah i think one more sorry just to close one more point is we have just to show that this is possible we have legitimately seen companies come back from one to two months of runway and go on to raise Series A, Series B financing and like continue to grow really effectively. So this is not the end of the road. There's much to be left to be done. And uh, yeah, get after it. Also wanted to describe to you what it means to throw good money after bad or what that expression is with, with an investing. Roughly, it means that the investment that an investor has already made into a company or into an asset is mostly a sunk cost, especially in, in the startup world where there's very little liquidity available for for an investment that you've made. So that means that you can almost think of that money as gone, as kind of in the past, and the new investment that you're making into a company is a fresh investment, fresh capital. You always have, you almost have to put on the investor hat of someone who's never touched the company before because some investors can be subjected to some cost bias or trying to repair a bad investment by throwing more money at the investment. And so you can help investors as a founder navigate this by continuing to focus on the future and the the prospects of the business versus the past and what's happened before. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Stick around for the next episode of Transparent VC.